We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Good morning and happy 2024. We are back for the first live show of 2024. And uh, well, it was great to be off, spend time with uh, my family and kind of reset over the new year. Um, I have missed being here and uh, with our great producers, Adam and Devin and the whole AFR family. So I hope that you had a a very wonderful holiday and a restful and a happy new year. And as we go into the new year, of course, it's the the big thing to do New Year's resolutions, which usually last um, maybe a week if people are lucky or uh, into into January because that's the first month of your subscription to the gym or uh, you know, your subscription to, to whatever it is. And then after the first month, when um, when the first month is free, then then you then you actually cancel it because um, b- because people really don't change that much from one day to literally the next. It's almost this um, this farce that we have the idea that life somehow becomes just dramatically different as the new year resets. And in my mind, I always think of the calendar not as a as a cyclical kind of um, continual linear progression. But in terms of the calendar, um, I think of the new year as, you know, going emptying basically the days of the year and we get further and further down and then the new year resets and we have, we're at the top now. We're in January and we have the full year. So there is a feeling of resetting and there is a freshness and a newness to the new year. Uh, but day to day, people really don't change that much. We, uh, we, can, we will continue in our habits, in our thoughts, in our uh, lives from December into January, unless we actually take the time to make considered differences. And this is where I think that resolutions can uh, come in handy and can at least give us a mindset of change and as uh, the biblical term would be progressively sanctified or progressive sanctification as we continue to live out our Christian lives. Because as we look over uh, the last just week or the last day between December 31st and January 1st, there's probably not a ton of growth. (laughs) There may be some great resolutions, there may be really good intent, but we don't genuinely uh, grow that much from day to day. But if we look at our entire history and we look at the past few years, even the past several years or the past decade, hopefully we can look back and genuinely see change in our lives and we can genuinely see 
growth toward uh, the t- toward the attitude of becoming more Christ-like. And so um, with the New Year's resolutions and, and all of the great things that we propose to do in the new year and, um, and, and everything that 2024 uh, may portend, I know there's a lot of fear-mongering out there. There's a lot of concern that is legitimate uh, for what will happen to the United States in 2024 uh, with the elections that will happen in November, what will happen in the world in 2024 as we continue to see uh, the conflict in the Middle East, as we continue to see what's going on uh, in China, when we continue to see what's going on um, and not, and also not going on in terms of overall global foreign policy. Um, and we continue to look forward to Uh, what the Bible terms as the end of all things, which of course will start with the literal return of the person of Jesus Christ for his saints. And so we have a hope for the end of all things. And as things continue to maybe be uh, gloomy, maybe be concerning, um, rather than we would like to start the new year off being really happy and joyful, we as Christians should be happy and joyful, but it's because we have the truth and we know how this story ends. And so no matter what is going on in the world, and we need to talk about that, we talk about this uh, every day on this show, uh, particularly the civil government aspect, we do and we should need to pull back um, in the new year and and sort of reset and reframe our focus and and I think our understanding of the broad scope of where we as Christians are um, in our time in this place because we are as as the opening just said I I do truly believe that God has called each and every one of us here to this moment in time and it's for a reason and the ultimate reason is to promote the truth of the gospel of Christ and so that's what uh, we do here at AFR each and every day and right before the show I was talking uh, to Devin and Adam and uh, they were saying it's been a year and a day since this show launched on AFR, and I can't believe it's already been that long. And what a great year it's been. And I'm so grateful and thankful um, to all of you in the AFR family for um, your love and support for this network, um, for all of us here, and also for me personally with everything that 2023 had uh, for me that was not on my bingo card <laughs> in 2023. Um, but your prayers and um, love and support for uh, this network, but but more broadly, the family of Christ um, has truly been amazing, and I've loved it. And so, kind of um, resetting, I think, in terms of what we're doing uh, in the mornings when you tune in at uh, whether it's eight Eastern, seven Central, or really really early. For those of you who are listening to the live show on Pacific Time, congratulations! Um, you are way more early birds than me, even <laughs> in a morning show. Um, or for those of you who tune in uh, later and you're listening to this uh, on the rebroadcast. What we want to do um, in this hour is not just give uh, political opinions and analysis and, and get into the news of the day. That That's all important. But more broadly speaking, and I think um, C.S. Lewis put this well, and I, and I tweeted this on our uh, Jenna Ellis in the Morning Twitter account uh, just a few minutes before the show. The C.S. Lewis quote says, We have to continually be reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will be will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. 
And I think that's so aptly put by one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, that we have to be continually reminded of what we believe. We have to continually rightly divide truth from error. We have to continually uh, know our purpose of why we're here as Christians on this earth, which the main purpose and the highest purpose is to worship God, be in a saving relationship with him personally. And then we are called to promote that truth of the good news and the gospel of Christ to everyone else that we interact with. And we are called to participate in the three institutions that God has ordained, which first and foremost, the first institution is the family government. We are called to be part of our families. And um, and typically, you know, that means our um, our immediate family, but it also means our broader family in terms of our relatives, um, in terms of our our communities, um, but in terms of the family unit that God ordained in Genesis one, a man and a woman, and uh, and then children that that we raise up for the glory of God and in the truth of the gospel. And then the second institution, of course, because we are in the church age in the New Testament, we are post-cross, post-fulfillment of God's promise. And so we are in the church age. We are not under um, the Levitical law in Old Testament Israel. We are in the church age, and God ordained the institution of the church. And we see that in the New Testament, and we should be a faithful members of a church um, for all of the one another's in the scriptures to love one another, to serve one another, to uh, have community with one another, to uh, be the ecclesia, to gather together uh, with one another uh, regularly as the Bible admonishes so that we can remind ourselves, as C.S. Lewis says, what we believe. And as, as the Bible says, even more importantly, that we continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have to uh, continually do that. It's not enough to uh, just come into that saving relationship uh, with God. As one of uh, the pastors a long time ago that I was listening to said, um, we don't want to have salvation just as fire insurance. Right to say, okay, I'm I'm good now. I know that I'm going to heaven, so that's great. I can kind of set that aside now and go live my life. Well, no, salvation changes everything. It not only changes our resolutions that we should have in the new year. It not only changes uh, who we are. It changes our status um, from being fallen and in sin and no hope uh, to having the hope of the truth that we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, and we should be growing in the knowledge of who God is and taking then that knowledge and a, it and that's that should be the context of the church the church should promote and support the family uh, and should be teaching actively and solidly good doctrine theology we talk about uh, theology a lot on this show um, and then we can take that and take what we learn about the truth of how God created and presented us to this reality that we experience. Um, we are confined to the reality to which God presented us. Um, he, in his sovereignty, ordained and established the world as we understand it, as we continue to learn about, as our founders would say, the self-evident truth that is in the world that we experience, um, that a man cannot become a woman, that a woman cannot become a man, some of those self-evident truths, right? And so taking that truth and then applying that to the third institution that God has ordained, which is the civil government, uh, which is the community 
of people that we interact with and live with under our system of government in our specific nation. And we could be talking about this in in any other country, in any other time and place in history. If I had um, a radio show right now in another country, I would still be saying the same thing Um, and talking about the nation to which God has placed us. Uh, God has placed other people in other nations. Uh, For we who are Americans and we live within the United States and its boundaries and its sovereignty, that is where God has ordained that we live out the knowledge of him. And so the church is global. God's people are global. Um, There is one church. There is the people of God. And there is the truth, which is the person of God and all things that are right and true that are biblical. And then we can take that individually and apply it to how we live out in our particular system. And some systems of government and some nations are much more better aligned with with the truth of God and protect the rights that um, that our founders in this nation rightfully recognize come from God, our creator. Um, And other nations don't don't do it so well. And so as we apply that truth to our nation, we have to be first and foremost Christians and understand these institutions rather than being, you know, Republicans, Democrats, Tea Partiers, Libertarians, you know, whatever. All of that is secondary, very, very, very secondary to our calling as Christians. The Christian foundation and the biblical worldview then will dictate what we believe in terms of our civil society, our government. Uh, how to live rightly and the truth in our community. And so whether we are conservatives or liberals, for example, whatever we are on that great spectrum of politics um, and how we live in our civil society should be dictated by the truth of scripture. So that's why I am a conservative, because I believe that to live consistently with the biblical truth that I learn in church that I read in the Bible, there is no other way to live out rightly and consistently with the biblical worldview but to conserve the principles and the values of the Bible and the truth in civil society. This is why then I have certain positions and opinions that that we talk about on the show that are pro-life, for example, that are pro-marriage, that are pro all of these conservative values and the reason that I'm for closed borders, the reason that I support currently um, for the the GOP nomination, Governor Ron DeSantis, is because that I believe is the best way to live out my Christian faith. We can talk about that, we can debate that, but I don't want any of us going into 2024 to lose sight of the fact that we can debate all of those things. We can even disagree on some of those things, but we should be debating within the confines of scripture and what God calls us to. So my New Year's resolution is to pray more for our country because um, Jeremiah 29 in the context of Babylon as the Israelis were being exiled and we may feel exiled in this secular society, we're called to pray more for our nation. Let's pray for our nation in 2024. We'll be right back. 
Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a very bad place. She didn't know how she could raise a child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic, and God led her to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying, and the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And as we were talking about before the break, uh, this is the new year. This is 2024. And my New Year's resolution, as I posted on X. Uh, on social media is to pray more for the welfare of our nation, um, regardless of the outcome of 2024's elections, regardless of what happens globally in terms of the conflict in the Middle East, in terms of everything else that we could be talking about, uh, regardless of how close we are to the end times. We need to pray more for the welfare of our nation. Uh, Jeremiah 29.7 says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So this command of God was to his people as they're being taken captive by Babylon and sent into exile. And we as Christians may feel a lot like strangers and exiles in our own country because we live in a secular society, um, even though our nation was founded, of course, on the Judeo-Christian worldview. Uh, So we can learn from this to pray to the Lord on behalf of our leaders, even if and when they are evildoers, or even when they are not our choice of who we may prefer to be in leadership. So what we really need to do in 2024 is to coalesce as Christians this year, not around a specific politician, but around our Savior, the truth of God and his salvation. This world is not our home, but while we are here, we must pray for and seek the welfare of our nation. And so this is what we're going to be doing in this hour um, for this year and beyond. And what we have been doing is seeking the welfare of our nation by taking news of the day topics and uh, whether uh, most of them will be, of course, within the context of civil society and that sphere of government of the three that God has ordained and instituted. Um, sometimes we'll talk about the church and uh, and we'll talk about theology and, and we'll talk about uh, that sphere of government. Sometimes we'll talk about the family, uh, that sphere of government, uh, especially when stories uh, come up and things are going on that relate to that institution that God has ordained. But for the most part, we're going to be taking our application of theology, the knowledge of God, the truth of God, and applying that to what is going on in civil society. And so I want to bring on uh, my first guest of the new year, my good friend, uh, John Root, who is a writer for the Republic Sentinel and an independent content creator. Uh, You should all follow him on social media. He is amazing at calling out 
uh, not just the left, but also so-called conservatives, because we know that conservative doesn't necessarily mean or equate to Christian, and calling out uh, those who are misaligned with truth and saying we should be aligned with the truth of the word of God and continue uh, to promote the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. And so uh, one of these things, uh, first, good morning, uh, John Root, and uh, and a happy new year to you. Good morning. Happy new year, Jenna. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we as we look at what's going on in, in News of the Day, um, I, I love watching some of your Instagram videos and especially um, your X feed and some of these ways that you consistently will not just call out the left, and you do that so well, but also to remind um, those who call themselves conservatives, you know, what are we really conserving if not for the truth of the gospel of Christ. And so I kind of want to start there because I think we have this implicit presumption in our society today that there is this divide between conservatives and leftists. And so we should defend anything that falls under this banner of broad conservatism when that's not really what Christians are called to defend. We're not called to defend conservatism or anyone who calls themselves a conservative. We're called to defend the truth of God. Yeah, amen to that. And I'm glad you brought up Babylon because when we read about Daniel and Daniel, um, he was telling God's people not to assimilate. And we are here definitely as Christians foreigners in this in this land like we do not conform to this world we conform to christ and a lot of people that call themselves conservative who would probably be known as pretty classical liberal maybe 10 15 years ago they're assimilating to what uh, society is deeming good Uh, we have definitely replaced uh, what is good uh, with what is evil but we are calling it good in the new conservative movement because it's not as evil as what we're seeing from the quote-unquote radical left. So when I'm deciding to call something out, and it's not even maybe the best word to say, like, call it out. I mean, whatever semantics people want to use, but it's more just accountability for the right. Because what is conservatism? It's about conserving traditional values and making sure that the traditional values of of marriage and the family and the foundational aspects of society that God has ordained and designed perfectly, we need to uphold. And again, like you said, Jenna, conservative doesn't equal Christian, but when people aren't standing up for traditional values and trying to redefine terminology that's foundational uh, in those traditional values— We need to start calling that out and having a legitimate discussion about, wait a minute, we're starting to go to a place where maybe in about a decade or even less than that, uh, what is called conservative, we are not even going to recognize anymore. Yeah, so well said, uh, John Root. And and I want to just underscore uh, what you said in terms of how our society and, and conservatives more broadly um, are slowly accepting uh, behaviors and accepting ideologies that we wouldn't have um, 10, 20 years ago um, and and further back than that because it's not as bad as the left. And we have this this odd mindset that somehow we need to be cool in the culture. We need to be, we can't be the 
um, the prudes or the, you know, the fuddy duddies. We can't, uh, we have to be attractive to the world where the Bible says it's the exact opposite, that, um, that, that they're, the truth is not ever going to be accepted by the world. And so we have this sort of internal conflict right now in the broader conservative movement because there are some people who are conservatives in the sense that they stand up for maybe, you know, free market economy and capitalism, therefore freedoms and liberties. They want uh, less government and yet they are not necessarily advocating for those principles based on a Christian worldview, but based on some other secular ideology. So it is possible to be a conservative without being a Christian. But then when you get into the social issues, when you get into morality, then that's really where you can see the divide so clearly between secular conservatives and biblically based conservatives. And we need to, as Christians, be very careful to not say, well, the, the conservative movement, anyone who calls themselves a conservative, we need to advocate for whatever they're doing because they're conservatives. We need to always advocate for the truth. And you did this so well um, in a in a, a story that um, was kind of a, a hot topic, probably because there was really nothing else going on over the last a week or so after Christmas. And this is the so-called conservative calendar. Now, for those who aren't aware of this, um, there's a, a, actually a friend of mine, Seth Weathers, um, who's been on my podcast before. Um, he started uh, The Right Beer, which was the conservative, quote unquote, alternative to the whole Bud Light controversy. And then he um, he created this calendar, that, like a literal physical one that you would hang up on your wall or your fridge for 2024 that featured um, the, quote unquote, uh, most beautiful conservative women. And the cover of this, it features um, Riley Gaines, who also we support what uh, what she overall is advocating for, for uh, not having men and women's sports, all of those things. But she's on the cover um, in a very, very skimpy swimsuit in a very provocative pose. And if you go through some of these pictures in this calendar, it's um, so-called conservative women in very suggestive, very min- uh, poses in very minimal clothing. And John, I'm going to play your Instagram video really quick um, because this response was was just so excellent. So this is cut one. This is John Root on the so-called conservative calendar. All right, let's have a quick little chat about the conservative real women calendar. First and foremost, there is nothing conservative about a bikini calendar. And before you get all up in arms, yes, I understand there's plenty of other women that are showcased in this calendar that are not in bikinis. If we look at just one photo, wow, what a very conservative, wholesome bathroom scene. There's nothing conservative about that at all. Just because you slap conservative on it doesn't make it conservative. Conservatism is about conserving traditional values. What are we conserving with a photo like this? One last thing for the haters out there too, just because I rightfully so say this is not conservative, doesn't mean I wanna see women in burkas, and it certainly does not make me <laughs> Yeah, and, and John, this was such a great response because 
there was so much explosion from the so-called conservatives saying, well, why, you know, we're, we're fun. Why is this so bad? You're, you're just jealous or you're just, you're just gay as they call, you know, tried to, to slap on you or you just want to see women in burqas then. And it's like, no, why are we embracing? And I think this is a perfect example going into 2024 of how the so-called conservative movement actually is trying to be attractive to the left. Yeah, and it's once again, it's trying to compromise. It's trying to assimilate. And why did we originally cancel Bud Light? It comes down to the foundational issue of sexual degeneracy. When Dylan Mulvaney was paraded around with a Bud Light, it's like this is sexual degeneracy. And then what is this bikini calendar? Again, reemphasizing that you could look at a bunch of different uh, cover models for different months in that calendar, and it is not skimpy clothing. It is There's nothing wrong with a few of those photos, but it comes down to how is that being sold. It's being packaged if you even look at the front cover of that calendar, and it's sexual degeneracy. It's sexual debauchery, but it is somehow okayed because, oh, well, it's just not as, it's not as bad. You know, at least these are real women. And I feel like people start to out themselves, especially men that are calling themselves conservative. And they're saying, like, (laughs) I had to put the last part where it's like, I'm not gay for calling this out. It's almost just like, oh, man, like, you don't want to see, like, cleavage or boobs or uh, butt out there. Like, so you must be gay. It's like. Like, this is the silliest argument. I know you brought that up on on Twitter, too. It's like, what are we supposed to do as men? We're supposed to be helping protect women, and we're supposed to be fleeing sexual immorality. We're supposed to run from it. We're supposed to get as far as we possibly can away. I know it says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So me as a man, I'm going to call out something that is clearly not conservative. And especially the couple photos that I focused on is uh, there's a woman in there who basically, like, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want people to see her Instagram account. It's basically a soft porn account. And that is anybody that can be um, just looking at something like this objectively can say that is not conservative that is wrong there's nothing christian uh about that it's not holding up any sort of foundational values and there's also uh, another photo of a woman in in a bathtub it's like you're trying to sell sex there's nothing conservative about this and if we're going to pretend like this is conservative and this is owning the left and this is something we should all get behind I think we're starting to realize that what we're calling good is actually evil. And it's everything that the Bible speaks against um, when we are defending lust and sexual degeneracy. Yeah, and terming it sexual degeneracy, I think, is spot on. Uh, John Root, who is my guest today, is a writer for the Republic Sentinel and an independent content creator. And you should all follow him on social media because it's actually uh, calling out the truth. And and I think it's so important what you said, that th- this isn't something that 
Christians or conservatives should support just because it is called conservative or because people who are otherwise standing up um, for other conservative values, like maybe they're voting Republican versus Democrat or something, that because those personalities are participating, this makes it okay. That's not the distinction in scripture. And so there is a clear difference between people who call themselves conservatives because they support some principles of conservative uh, values, but they're not overall Christian in terms of coming into conformance with the biblical worldview. And one of the things that is really misleading, I think, in the whole thing is that a lot of these women who participated in this actually call themselves Christians. And that's where we do need to, uh, John Root, hold them accountable because there is nothing Christian about that. There is nothing Christian about participating in that. And this is just one example of how we need to ensure that we are taking what we learn in the church, applying that to civil society and holding everyone accountable to that same standard. And of course, we don't expect uh, biblical truth to come from people who are not Christians. They, They call themselves conservatives, but they're not Christians. But for a lot of these women, and I know there's a lot of especially young influencers that call themselves Christians and their entire Instagram is basically soft porn. We need to call that out. And so Um, So, John, I really appreciate your time today. We're already out of time in this segment, but I think that this story is just one really great example of how uh, the broader conservative movement is responding and defending this type of behavior that is clearly wrong. It is clearly not promoting good in, in society, but everyone is saying, you know, oh, well, why are you calling that? You know, I love all of these people, all of these personalities, you know, Riley Gaines included. Yeah, I I really appreciate what she's doing for the women's sports movement, but that doesn't mean that I am going to, as a Christian, support or condone that kind of behavior. And so we need to make sure that we are always coming back to not just what's conservative, not just what's Republican, not just what's, you know, any of those things, but what is true, right, pure, and lovely. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced Advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And in this new year of 2024, we are continuing to talk about promoting the truth of God. 
that we learn within the context of the institution of the church that God has ordained. We learn throughout scripture and we should be continuing to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, rightly dividing truth from error. And we need to apply that to our civil society, to our government system, to world events, to everything going on in current events. And, you know, it's always said uh, the Andrew Breibart's famous phrase is politics is downstream from culture. But I always add on to that, that culture is downstream from worldview. And if you are participating in civil society premised on a secular worldview and you leave your faith and your uh, churchianity just in the church, then we will fail to live rightly in society. We need to continue to promote good, restrain evil, and understand that the purpose of civil government, and especially as our founders recognized, is to continue to recognize truth and to protect the rights that God gave us so that we can continue to actively practice not only our own faith, but share that faith with others. And um, so my next guest has a, an excellent book that I am so excited uh, to read. If you've heard of Matthew Henry, uh, my mom always uh, grew up with reading from Matthew Hem- Henry's commentaries. Um, I have them as well. And it's called The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry, Helping Modern Christians Strengthen Their Walk with God. And one of the co-authors is Michael Wing, who is a lawyer and a longtime uh, CEO, but also has a master's in divinity, a master's in theology, and a master's in apologetics. Um, so, Michael, I think you have um, more than the trifecta here of, um, of a wonderful way of advocating <clears throat> for the truth of God. Um, but this is an amazing book. And um, so tell us about that and how um, the wisdom and insight of Matthew Henry will strengthen Christians as we continue to walk with God and also promote the truth of God in civil society. Good morning, Jenna. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. I had uh, found Matthew Henry to be one of the most uh, just amazing and inspirational commentators. And the interesting thing is, you know, he, he wrote in the 17th century, but yet his wisdom is uh, as profound as if he was writing this morning. It's just uh, amazing insight. It, it helps, has helped me as, as a Christian strengthen my walk with God. His, his book, uh, the commentary, which we've now uh, transcribed into more modern language and easier to understand, is it, just a delightful tool to remind us of, of the importance of our walk with God on a daily basis. Mm. And and this is so important um, to to understand the the truth of God and to take some of um, you know the wisdom and insight you know from Matthew Henry. We, I, I quoted C.S. Lewis earlier on in the program. I mean, there are so many different um, authors that have written really good insights um, about. Uh, the truth of God in Scripture and understanding and distilling that truth and actively applying it um, into our lives. And so this uh, this book, in terms of helping the modern Christian, because you mentioned that um, you know Matthew Henry um, what lived in uh, the 17th century. Um, how do we take what is distilled in this book and uh, and what? I guess, what is the overall purpose of this book to then help the modern Christian in terms of um, what we can expect from reading it? It's a wonderful insight into the Word of God, which I think is uh, the standard by which we should all be held accountable. For for example, um, 
Matthew Henry writes on the subject of compassion, when we experience God's bounty to us, this should make us bountiful to the poor. Wow, I mean, that just cuts right to the heart. Uh, he says Christ's compassion should kindle ours. And the thing I really like about Matthew Henry is you'll read his passages, and it's an immediate wake-up call. It's an immediate, wow, I, I need to be doing that. I need to be focusing on God. My life needs to be much like a, a manifestation of Colossians 3.17. When Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, In all that you do, whether in word or deed, do unto the glory of God, not man. And Matthew Henry, the, the book, is like a a veritable goldmine of myriad topics, but taking us right back to the foot of the cross and the importance of living our life out as Christians. And by doing so, uh, we then have a transformative effect on a society that I think is is screaming out for the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Mm, and, and that is so true that we are living in a culture that is screaming out for the love and truth of Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to be as Christians engaged in civil society even more. And um, you know, you know, like um, like us, I suppose, because um, I'm I'm a lawyer as well in terms of um, studying the law, practicing that. And um, and Matthew Henry, um, in his early life, um, studied law and then gave up um, the legal studies for theology. And what I find really interesting about that. Um, Michael Wing, my guest today, who's the co-author of The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry, um, this this great new book, uh, is that, you know, law and the study of law, I think if we are viewing it correctly and understand the philosophy of law, inevitably leads us to a study of theology, because we can't understand the, the principles and the operation of law in civil society without anchoring that in objective moral truth. Exactly. And what the law does for us, as we both know as lawyers, is that it's a standard by which we're held accountable. If there's a breach or a transgression of that law, then there's a consequence and or penalty that is issued, such as it is with our faith. I, I think society today loves to hear about the love of God and how great God is from a love standpoint, but God is also a just God and that he can't be in the presence of sin. And too many times, I think, our society likes to talk about the loving side, but not the accountability side. And that's what's so great about grace. The, the, the law, as manifested in the Old Testament, takes us then to the foot of the cross. But for Christ's death on the cross, we, we have no chance. And yet, I think a lot of times, modern society doesn't like to look at that. That, But for the blood of the Lamb, we're, we're not able to be with God in the afterlife. We we need that, and that gets us the grace that is so so amazing. And that's where I think the beauty of the law is, is that there's got to be accountability. And mm, really Henry, well said. Go ahead. And, and, and Matthew Henry really, I think, peels back the onion and gives us this great insight into, okay, it's one thing to know that. It's, it's one thing to understand that, but it's another thing to do that. And, and that's what I think is really needed today in our society, is, is Christians being Christians. By being Christians, we then, through our lives, can help transform a society that I think is desperately in need of that. And that's what I like to look at the Matthew Henry thing. It's like a, it's like a, a toolkit of how we take this love for God and for Christ that we have and actually operationalize it in a society that makes a difference. 
I, I loved what you said in, in the early part is about churchianity. Uh, Matthew Henry, to me, is, is a great bridge from what we do on Sunday to what we should do Monday through Saturday. And that helps us operationalize our faith in a manner in which it's, it's transformative and it's helpful. And the book is The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry, and the co-author, Michael Wing, is my guest this morning. And um, so well said that, you know, law is a standard of accountability. And I think um, it, it is so true that so many even Christians today see um, the love and grace of Christ in the church and then somehow think that it's completely separate to have this standard of law in civil society by which we hold um, evildoers accountable, and it should be um, it shouldn't be overbroad. It shouldn't be weaponized. It shouldn't uh, catch people who are um, actually exercising their freedoms. And so, in debating and discussing the standards for civil society, there has to be that bridge because if our law in civil society is not anchored in moral truth and it is just a manifestation of whatever uh, system happens to be the whim of the majority of society today and then tomorrow, then we have a completely arbitrary system. And that's where I think a lot of um, of Christians say and and unfortunately embrace this whole secular argument that, well, we shouldn't be pushing our religion on anyone else in civil society because I don't want uh, anyone else pushing their religion on me. So so that's okay. I'm just going to confine my understanding of God and truth to the church, maybe to my family as well, because that's how I'm choosing to raise my family. But in terms of civil society, we have to have completely amoral standards that are not a an expression of anyone's morality. And that's just actually impossible because the law is always an expression of somebody's morality and it should be an objective standard otherwise michael um, we're just living under this totally arbitrary tyrannical system and look at where it's gotten us in the last 50 or 60 years when we've we've had basically this oligarchy from the supreme court that has been frankly pretty arbitrary in terms of its uh, opinions and an understanding of the constitution Right, and you raise a great point. I mean, think back to the first century church. What if the apostles had taken a similar attitude? What if the apostles had said, you know what, we're, we're, we're not going to go out and talk to people, we're not going to try and, and uh, be confrontational with a good moral standard? Now, thankfully, they didn't do that. And their commitment to Christ and to sharing the Word, they turned the world upside down. I have a good friend who, uh, in my time in Washington, I know you've been in Washington as well, and he, had a, he served with the Secret Service, and he had, a, he had a great expression to me. He says, you know, Mike, what, what would happen if the laws were passed and it was illegal to be a Christian and to act like a Christian? Would there be enough evidence on, drawn from your life and how you act and how you speak and what you do to have you arrested as being a Christian? And I thought, wow, what a great point. How, how many? He says, we shouldn't be Secret Service Christians. We shouldn't be under the radar that at the end of one's life, gosh, I didn't know he was a Christian. I, I didn't know she was a Christian because the life that one led said, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to put that out there. You know, we're, we're known by our love. We're known by our faith. We're known by how we act. And I loved his, his analogy of we shouldn't be Secret Service Christians. We, we should be known by our love and our faith and how we act and how we treat people. 
And that's back again what I, I love about Matthew Henry is I found over the years, it, it took almost 10 years to put this together. And it had been such a impactful part of my life, which is why I wanted to share it with people. Because to me, it's been a, a great guideline as to how to operationalize one's faith. Take it from just knowledge, take it from just simple affirmation, and have it be manifested in a daily walk with God. And that's the purpose of the book, is to try and help us all strengthen our walk with God, and in in so doing, manifest the love of God in our daily life, in our daily walk. I love that analogy as well to, to say we should not be secret service Christians. And I'm going to take that. That's a great New Year's resolution, right, for everyone when we're talking about the start of the new year to say how much evidence is there um, in my daily life that I am a Christian. And, and so often uh, when we are facing um, the evils of a secular society when there is so much of the radical left that is a wrong and immoral worldview, we become um, bifurcated into the two camps of liberal versus conservative or Democrat versus Republican or things that are political divisions rather than spiritual. And I I don't care if anyone knows me as, you know, as a Republican, a conservative or, you know, anything else. I want to be known first and foremost and only um, as the Apostle Paul was, which is a servant of Jesus Christ. I mean, that is really at the end of the day what our life should always and only exclusively be about. And then the philosophy that comes in our civil society will outflow from that. But we have to first and foremost... Uh, Michael, be Christians first. And and how would you encourage um, our listeners right now to be thinking about being Christians first instead of just focusing on, you know, kind of the daily uh, politicking divisions? Well, you know, Scripture admonishes us to be the, the light on the hill, to be the salt. And data has shown somewhat disappointingly that those of us that are self-proclaimed evangelicals spend an average of five minutes or less in the Word every day. But yet I'm sure we're spending a lot more time on other things, be it various media things or other types of activities. And I think being in the Word and using tools, possibly like the Matthew Henry book, that help us understand the Word better so that it comes into our life and we act and speak in such a way that we are images of Christ living through us, that's how I think we transform society. Because, as we all know, you know, we're not going to argue people into the kingdom. We'll love people into the kingdom. We'll serve people into the kingdom and, and being equipped. And that, that's what I, I love about the Matthew Henry book is that it's designed to equip, enable, and encourage us mm. in our walk. I call that the three E's, just to be equipped, enabled, and encouraged to go out and to serve others, to manifest the love and saving grace of Christ, that in and of itself would be an unbelievable transformative wave uh, throughout society. And and that's what I think our calling is, is, is to live and act in such a way that people see Christ through us and not be that Secret Service Christian. Amen to that. And that should be our focus in this new year and beyond in serving our lives for the purpose of promoting the truth of the gospel of Christ. So Michael Wing, thank you so much for joining me today. The book is The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry. Spend more time in the word than you do watching Fox News or anything else. We'll be back tomorrow morning here on Jenna Ellis in the morning.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.